Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Father, thank you for watching over us and keeping us. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to be in the same building together. Father, I pray for those that have issues with that in other states. Father, I pray for them that they will be able to meet soon because there's something about coming together as a family that's healing, Father God, but it also builds us up, Father, coming together just to worship you. We thank you, Father. We praise you, and we glorify your name. Help me, Father God, this morning to get across what you're wanting to get across this morning. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> Probably some of you didn't even notice, but I lost the whole month of July. <laughs> it has been an interesting time in our life. Um, this last week, I was you know, talking to the Lord and preparing and asking God, what do you want me to share? Is there something that you would like me, and I knew there was, but what would you like me to share? And as usual, it kind of comes at the 11th hour, but as I, I was in a particular place this last week, and I was talking to a particular person, and this person um, was kind of quiet, because I was sitting in one place, she was sitting in another, and occasionally I would say something, and she was more quiet than talkative. Finally, I asked her, I said, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm mad. I go, okay, I didn't quite expect that. <clears throat> I said, why are you mad? What's going on? She says, I'm upset with what's going on in our nation, what's, what's going on with a lot of the different things health-wise, what's going on in our communities. What, you know, she says, I'm just, I'm just upset. And now my friend's a Christian. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know all of us have been going through a lot of stuff. And she said, but I have a question. Tell me this, Sandy. Where's God? Where's God in all this? Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I was a little bit like, what? Because <laughs> I've been through a lot lately, and God was there. And it caught me off guard a little bit. And I told her, I said, he's right here. He has not left us. He has never left us. And his word, Deuteronomy 31, 6, all right, 36, um, 31, 6, it says, Be strong and of good cheer. Be, do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And I think that's 36, 6 where I pulled that. And so I just told her, I said, he's here. He's never left us. She said, but I don't see him. And I thought, actually, I have, but maybe you haven't. And so I just kind of went before him, and I thought, Lord, you know, there's a lot of people that are not seeing you. Why? Because I have seen him. Yeah, I know there's a lot of stuff going on. But then, I, then it was like the Lord spoke to my heart, and he says, there's a lot of people that are not seeing me. I said, God, help me to understand and help me to help people more, be able to have an answer, you know, when somebody says, other than he's not anywhere, he's never left us, he's here, his word says he's here. 
And so I began to think that over, and, and as I began to think that over, that question just kept staying in my heart, and it really wouldn't leave me. And, I, and in fact, I told my mom, I woke up like at 1.30 one night, and until 3 o'clock, I just couldn't go back to sleep, and I started preaching in my mind. And I wish I had taped it, because it sounded a whole lot better than anything I'm going to do today. <laughs> I was just a preaching away. <laughs> but I began to think about how blessed we have been for so long as a Christian nation. Now, some people say we're no longer considered that, but in my heart, I am a Christian and I live in this nation. But I begin to think about us as a nation and how blessed we have been for so very long. Um, I have talked to people, interviewed people, listened to people, read their books of people that lived in places that had to smuggle Bibles, um, that was put in jail for their faith, was beat for their faith, literally. The people in China are still being persecuted and tortured as we speak. Uh, Muslim countries, I even looked at African countries. So I Googled as I was sitting there and, and preparing, as I knew the Lord was wanting me now to share on this, I, I Googled persecuted church and how widespread is it? And this is what came up. There's, a, there's an organization called Aid to the Church in Need, and Aid to the Church in Need reports that 327 million Christians are persecuted worldwide. And a number roughly equal, that number is roughly equal to our current U.S. population. Of which 245 million, according to Open Doors USA, experience heavy persecution in the top 50 countries. And of them, 28% are in, the, in Africa. There's so much Muslim things going on there in that continent. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have taken an awful lot for granted. Now I know about the persecuted church and I know I've even gotten magazines from the, the Voice of the Martyrs and talked to people from the, that organization. But I'll have to admit, I, I have been a little slack in my prayers. And the Lord just kind of put it on my heart. This is beginning to happen in our nation there's beginning to be some persecution even in our nation against Christians. And what he put on my heart was, you better be on your knees because there's more coming. I thought, okay, all right, Lord, thank you for the heads up. A lot of people already recognize that. And so I began to go back to her question, where is God in all this? And again, I have to say he has not moved. He has not left us. He has not left the building. We're not walking this alone. If you're watching or if you're listening today and here in the building, um, God's not left you. Yes, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that are happening in our nation. There's a lot of things happening in our lives, um, in our own personal lives. <clears throat> but God has never walked off and left us hopeless or helpless. He's not. And I, <clears throat> I remember thinking about a trip that I took <clears throat> to the Philippines. I was asked to speak for a woman's conference. I got to meet the person who was in charge of this whole facility. And the facility itself had a Bible college. It had a, a school for the deaf, for kids. And in the Philippines, a lot of the areas, they weren't getting shots for measles. And the kids were getting measles. And it was causing the little babies to be blind because they weren't being able to get immunized. And so there were a lot of blind kids. And so he started a school for the blind. And he also had a school for pastors. This thing was a huge complex. 
And so I got to meet him, and he asked me, he said, would you please come to the Philippines and speak for our ladies' conference? Well, this was a huge four-day conference. They had as many as 1,500 people at a time. And he told me it was going to be large and everything. Not having been to the Philippines before, I wasn't quite prepared for, for everything, the weather for one. Um, but at the same time, for where we met in a building, it was a large building, but it didn't have four walls. It had three walls. And one side was completely open and always would be left open because of the humidity and the heat and everything. It was a, it was a huge facility, but it was hot. And we arrived early, a few days early, so that we could go on the radio. There were several of us that went. Pam, my good buddy, she shared and sang, and so she sang on the radio, and we talked to the people, and we encouraged them to come. And if the days, as the day started to come for them to start arriving, if we were to have a large conference and we would invite people, we would expect maybe a bus to bring people, maybe, you know, if we had a large facility and it would hold several thousand people, you'd maybe think of an air-conditioned bus showing up, right, bringing people in. They had flatbed trucks arriving with people hanging off the side and the back, uh, hanging on, standing on the bumper, holding on to railings. They had white, those white plastic chairs on the flatbeds so people could sit on them. And I thought, they're gonna, they, I can't imagine not falling. But they came from literally 10 hours away. The furthest one we found was 10 hours away, one of those trucks. And people were coming. One of the ladies that came, she told me personally, she said, I had to sell one of my prized pigs because I wanted to come so badly. And that's how they made their money. They had what they call piggeries. And they, they have these little baby pigs so they can make money. I mean, it meant a lot to her to be there. They were so hungry for God. But they didn't have a lot. And the Lord brought this back to my mind. And he said, Sandy, you, you and your churches and, and where we are, we've been so, it's, everything's nice and it's air conditioned or it's heated. We come in cars that's air conditioned or heated. We don't have to walk or come in the back of a truck that doesn't have, and it rains there a lot. So I know they got wet coming or it was hot. Um, it, the, we, we've been kind of spoiled. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Sandy, things might just be changing just a little bit. And I'm going, yeah, I think maybe. Because there are places where I have lots of friends and family that they aren't even allowed to go to church. They are even told you can't even have a Bible study in your home. And if you're going to have a meeting and it's on your, on the, on the, um, your computer, wear a mask. Uh, I'm blonde, and I know you can't put that through of screen. I was like, where are we headed with all this? <clears throat> but the people that came were so hungry because what did they have? They had Jesus. One of the ladies that came, <clears throat> she was a nurse and she had had a lot of help uh, because she had, there was a lady in the Bible, remember the lady with the issue of blood? This lady was like that lady and she had a tumor and she bled continually. And she just was like at her wit's end. And the doctors told her, there's nothing we can do for you. This mass that's inside of you, we can't, there's nothing. We're, we're past that. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, kids, kids, sorry, family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I get excited when I think about this one. <clears throat> My friend Pam and I 
when they, they came up for prayer and there was tons of people coming up for prayer. This lady came up for prayer and I called Pam over. I go, Pam, come over here. And we laid hands on this lady. And that night, she passed a mass. And she went home healed. This nurse went back to her doctors and we found out later that lady was healed. This meeting, this series of meetings, these meetings that we had in this place started a revival in that community and in, in the surrounding communities because they were so hungry. And I thought, Lord, where is that hunger in that in us? And the Lord said, it's coming. It's coming. We, my, my good buddy and I, Galo, we went down to Brazil and we ministered in the favelas, which are like where people don't have a lot of money and they live in like shacks and tin buildings. And when we got there to minister, the people were so hungry because, thank you, sweetie, because what did they have? Not much. They didn't have much, but they had Jesus. <clears throat> God is so faithful if we come to him. And as I began to think of these things that I'd seen and what I'd gone through <clears throat> and what I had, had experienced, I remembered thinking in my heart, revival. When we would go from a place, revival would start. We planted seeds, and the seeds grew up. In fact, the pastor that I loved dearly uh, in the Philippines, he, he, he got a hold of me about a month later, and he goes, I got sick. I go, what do you mean you got sick? He says, they kept calling me into all these villages. He says, I didn't even get any sleep. He says, I ended up in the hospital with pneumonia. <laughs> he said, because I couldn't stop. And I went from this village to this village to this village, and people were getting saved. Those were seeds that were planted. And I thought, Lord, the word that I keep hearing, and I'm seeing online and people calling me and saying, Sandy, I believe revival is coming. I thought, why? Because of the pain and the hurt and the frustration and the, the fear and the things that are happening around us. People are reaching out. How many of you have prayed more than you've ever prayed in a long time? Me, seriously, especially last month, I hadn't prayed that hard in a very long time. <clears throat> and I saw God's hand move on our lives and in our hearts and our bodies. Now we need to be praying like that for our nation, for our Christian brothers and sisters, not just here in the United States, but for around the world, because there's a lot of things that are happening. As I begin to think on these things and, and think back, and I, I began to think about our nation when we actually got started, and I thought, you know, I remember, Lord, studying some time back in the history books that a lot of the first people that came to this nation were coming because they were looking for religious freedom. They had churches where you had to go and you had to, you had to you know, pray a certain way and you had to do a certain thing and you had to, you know, certain things you had to do, and they wanted freedom not from religion, but freedom to, to pray and do as they wanted. And even our Pledge of Allegiance says, one nation under God, still, until hopefully forever. But over the years, we have strayed from this. I have people say, we're no longer considered, if you Google it, a, a nation under God, a godly nation. When I was in, uh, in grade school, we had a, had a situation where one hour a week, 
uh, a teacher or a parent would take us off campus. And there was a little church that was close by. And sometimes I guess it could be on, on site, but ours happened to be a little church where we could just literally walk a block and we were there. But we had a lot of Catholics and Protestants, and we all walked down to this little church, and they gave us a one-hour Bible study. During school hours, we got one hour a week um, until they took prayer and the Bible out of schools. Now, when they removed the Bible and the prayer out of schools and a lot of other things then began to happen, it began to go downhill real quick. And I can only imagine that our Heavenly Father wasn't real happy when all that began to take place. But he didn't walk away because a minority got their way. He still didn't leave us. Our nation has changed, as I remember it as a kid. But he has not left us. And God, since God has not left us, then what do we need to be doing? We need to be bombarding the gates of heaven with prayer, pleading for grace and mercy, asking for help to know what to do and how to do it, not to sit quietly by and go, well, I guess. There was a group of people that sat quietly by and didn't just listen to those that said, go here, go there, get on that train, go on this, and didn't fight back. I think we need to be praying hard, folks. We not need to be just sitting and waiting. We need to be a little proactive. <clears throat> With all the turmoil that's going on around us, the one word that keeps just going through and going through, the one I mentioned, was the word revival. When we went to the Philippines, it started a revival. Uh, I believe that that revival is headed our way. Why? Because when there are things that come against a people, a people get down on their knees. And when a people get down on our knees, God hears. And when God hears, things happen. But it starts with certain things. And the third, first thing is we need to be in prayer. <clears throat> we need to recognize our need to prayer, need to be in prayer. But, okay, so if we're thinking, okay, revival could be coming, revival could be headed our way, then the key word is, are we ready? I, when, when this particular person said to me, where's God? I'm not going to lie, I was taken a little off guard. And, I, you know, of course, I'm ready with the scripture. He's not left us, nor, you know, he's not going to leave us. He says in his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You know, I can, I can put the word out there. But, you know, I needed a little bit more even. And so I thought, Lord, I need to be more prepared to give an answer. And so as I was pulling all this together, the Lord gave me a four-part thing. He said, I want you to share these four things. Number one. Okay, number one of the four says we need to be able to, first of all, know we are saved. Because if we're going to be doing things and helping people, where are you in your walk with the Lord? Do you have a walk with the Lord? Are you really confident in yourself that you are saved? Because my first thought was we need to be prepared to lead others to Christ. And the Lord said that's not the first thing. It's like, okay, what's the first thing? So I went and I got out my good old handy, trusty, um, if this is it's called The Bible Says. I've had this thing longer than my son has been alive. <laughs> and he's been around for 32 years. This thing has been my buddy. And I, I, I love this thing because it goes in here, it gives me helpful scriptures, but there's a sixth scriptural step to salvation inside of this. 
and, and it's really very helpful. I, I would like to say I'm really, really good at leading people to the Lord. I can do that, but I need prompts sometimes. Sometimes I go, you know, I, I get a little nervous or whatever. But when I have this, it gives me a little confidence. So I am going to go over this today with those of you that are listening, maybe some here in the audience. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go through this and just say, I'm just going to assume none of you are, and I'm going to go over this with you. Okay, number one, first thing that you need to do and know is, is to say, I have sinned, and the word is acknowledge. I have to acknowledge the fact that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. All of us, even those that call ourselves Christians, we've all sinned, and we have to ask for forgiveness on a regular basis. It Just because we are saved doesn't mean we haven't done something that maybe we need to ask forgiveness for. We have, I, my righteousness is as filthy rags. But, but guess what? God's isn't, and I got his righteousness inside of me. So I'm going to acknowledge the fact that, yes, I have sinned. Now, repent. Turn around. Go the other way. I'm going to repent. It says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's Luke 13, 3. Acts 39 says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. You mean my sins can be forgiven? Yes, your sins can be forgiven. But I've done this, this, and this. It doesn't matter. A sin is a sin. There are no degrees of sin in the eyes of the Lord. Now, he doesn't like pride. He's pretty adamant about the pride thing. <laughs> but I will tell you, I've had people say, but Sandy, you don't understand. I've had this. I've done this. It doesn't matter. God loves you. He loves each one of us. And so we repent and say, we're sorry. Yes, we've sinned, but forgive us. So then the next word is confess. Okay, I recognize I need to repent. Then it says here in Luke, and excuse me, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, all but Sandy, you don't understand. Nope. Mm -mm. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear and lie to you. All unrighteousness. All sins. Romans 10.10. 10. The, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confess not to men, but to God. I need help. I confess that I need help. Next, forsake. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon, forsake. Stop doing the old stuff you were doing. Don't keep sinning. Turn from what you were doing. It's one thing to confess the sin, but don't keep doing it. It's one thing to repent from the sin that you just did, but don't turn around and do it again. Forsake it. Walk away from it. And then the next one is believe. Now that takes faith. Not an easy word, but it takes faith. John 3.16, I love, love, love this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Everybody that's breathing is a whosoever. If you are standing, sitting, you're here and you're breathing, you're a whosoever. Yep, I got a pulse. You're a whosoever. Whosoever believes 
That's us. That's each one of us. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9. I want to believe. God, help my unbelief. Help me to have that faith. God gave everybody a measure of faith. It's like, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. Because if you believe the word, the word says everybody has a measure of faith. Well, mine's not very big. Okay, a grain of mustard seed is not big. But my buddy brought one of the, we were over in Israel, and she found a mustard tree. And she brought back seeds. And she put that seed in the ground, and I went over and took a picture of her standing underneath that tree. And I still have that. It's hanging in my office. I can see it every day. That thing is 20 foot tall. That's a huge tree from a teeny weeny seed. That's all it takes is a little bit of faith. And then the last one, and it's the biggest one, receive. Receive. Receive Christ. He came unto his own, and his own received of not. But as many as received him, he gave them the power to believe on his name. Now, then, folks, I would then go over a little prayer with you and ask you to pray this prayer with me. I am convinced by God's word that I am a lost sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died for sinners and shed his blood to put away, take away all my sins. I now receive him as my personal Savior, my personal Lord, and with his help, I will confess him before men. That is all that it takes to bring someone into the kingdom. And now, if you haven't prayed that prayer before, and you've prayed this, welcome to the kingdom, brother or sister in Christ. Praise God. That's number one. We have to know in ourselves that we are saved. Number two, now we need to be prepared to lead others to Christ. That did not take me very long. I had a prompt. I had a help. That was easy to go through that and to be able to share that with them. Maybe answer a question, but having something with you, it's like, I could never do that. If you can read, you can do that. If you, if you love Jesus, you can do that. And he can put the words in your mouth. I would be afraid. Probably not as afraid as they are. You can help them. I had a good buddy that literally bought the, these little booklets or little booklets that are, in fact, I have this with me, my fourth spiritual law booklet. These things have been around forever, and I love these things. Um, and she used to buy little things like this, and she would leave them in bathrooms uh, for waiters or waitresses, on airplanes. She traveled the world. She left them everywhere. She had them in different languages, so when she would go to a different country, she left them in different languages. And it, it was a tool that seed that she planted and left behind. And she said, Sandy, someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet people that are going to come up and say, I got one of yours. But it's a tool. She was proactive. She did something. But at the same time, if you had something in your purse or your wallet or your car or whatever, you might have something that would make a difference in somebody's life. I, I'm not prepared. You can be prepared with this. It can help you. Practice. I know it sounds crazy. Practice on somebody. 
Don't be afraid to share your faith. Number three, now Henry's in the house, thank God. <laughs> We're glad Henry's in the house. But Henry was my inspiration for number three. Find people that don't have a church and invite them to come. Henry, bless his heart, will go to yard sales and he brings them to church. He is always talking to people and asking them about their faith. Where do you go to church? I don't go to church. I have a couple of new friends that go to this church because Henry invited them to church. I mean, we need to be proactive. We, there are people that we're around all the time and we have no clue where they are with their faith. Whether or not, if they died tomorrow, where would they be? That's not good. <laughs> That's not a good thing for us. And I point my, my finger at myself 10 times before I'll point it at you. I would suggest this if you're a little nervous about doing it because I, this would be me. Start with one person. Set a goal. This week, I will talk to one person. Just one. I'm not going to freak out. I may do it at the last minute, the last day. But one person, I'm going to talk to one person this week, and I'm going to ask them, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Let me tell you what's been going on in mine. And I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know where I would be. How are you with your faith? Where do you go to church? Do we have a great church? Let me tell you about my church. Don't let fear dissuade you. Don't let fear hold you back. Revival starts with us taking first steps. Revival starts with us making a difference in somebody's life. You'd be surprised at how many people that are just scared. They're fearful right now. And if somebody were at least to open a conversation, they might, have, they might be able to say, you know, I'm really afraid. Well, let me tell you how you don't have to be afraid. Let me tell you who could help you walk through this and can hold your hand and help you get through this so you don't have to be afraid. His name is Jesus. And he wants to give you that peace. He wants to give you the ability to be able to go through this and make a difference in your life and your family's life. Number four. Now, number four is a four-letter word, and it's powerful. It's the word pray. Prayer is huge. And if you want it to go nuclear, fast and pray. Another four-letter word. Fast and pray. Now, I know it's medically impossible for some to fast long. I don't have a body type that can do a long fast. I just don't. I'm kind of an anemic person, and I really, truly can't. But I can do a meal. I can fast a meal. And I can, in that meal, I can fast, and I can do nothing but pray during that meal. There are other types of fasts where people can eat. I've heard of the Daniel fast and different things. But fasting and prayer. If you ever want to do a search in the Bible, a word search or a study, study fasting. It is huge. And I say nuclear. It changes things. Prayer and fasting changes situations, people. It changes what's going on in the atmosphere. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Prayer is a game changer. Prayer truly is a game changer. 
everybody knows the scripture, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. I mean, it's been around forever, and it's used a lot, and I've heard it a lot lately. But I would like to go over Second Chronicles 7, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Then I, when, excuse me, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land, or send plague, pestilence among my people, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land, 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. Now, he's not talking to just everybody. He's talking to his people, his kids, his family. And he's saying, humble yourself. Some people say, I don't sin. That's not me. Excuse me. He starts off with humble yourself on purpose. Humble yourself and pray. Seek his face. God, help me. Turn from our wicked ways. Now, none of us are perfect. If we turn and say, God, I'm sorry. I know I've done this or maybe done that or, or whatever. Bring to light what you want me to pray about. What do, you, what do I need to change? Sandy, you need to pray more. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to fast once a week. Okay, I will. Sandy, you need to share more with people and bring them to Christ. Bring them to the Lord. I will. There's going to be things that he'll bring to your heart, into your life. But you have to ask. We, we just can't have a, a ceiling there and not talk to our best friend, our Heavenly Father, through his Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, our best friend. Would we ignore our best friend? But we do sometimes. And then we try and fix it all ourselves. I am not a carpenter, but so I would not try and build this place. I would get a hold of a carpenter and ask the carpenter to build this place. Jesus is the ultimate carpenter. He can build the place the right way. If I go to the right source and ask for help, he can build what needs to be built. That's what he does. I can't do it all on my own, but with his help, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, gives me what I need, gives me what I want. Gosh, when my friend asked me, where's God? I'm, my first instinct was, he's right here. Well, yeah, because I had been having some issues for the whole month of July and a lot of stuff happening, and plus seeing what's going on in the world. And I had seen his hand in my family's life and in my life. But she was having a problem with what she was seeing in this stuff, and, and she was very frustrated. And, yeah, I was ready with a scripture. He won't leave you for, for, or forsake you. But it needs to be more than just a, a scripture. I, I needed to be able to stand and pray with the woman. She got away from me. It's like, man, I blew that one. Yeah, I should have, but I was kind of caught off guard. <laughs> I'm not going to be caught off guard next time because I know that there are more and more people out there that are getting more and more frustrated and more and more afraid. 
And if we take the time to even have the conversation with them or ask, you're going to find there's more of them out there, more of them out there. We need to be ready for revival because it's coming. Uh, it's like, it, it really is. I believe that with all my heart. There's going to be more and more people that are going to be saying, you know, we need help, we need help, and they're going to be on their knees. And in fact, there's all kinds of uh, organizations and churches that are calling for prayer and fasting right now up through and into September. And, and it's like, yes, count me in. Count me in. That's going to change the atmosphere. You're going to begin to see things. And I'm trusting that God's going to change the atmosphere of what's going on around us. More and more people want to come to God when they hear that there are answers in God. If they hear that, I, I, they're afraid. But you know what? I, I, have a, I have the answer to help you with your fear. I have the answer, and you have the answer, to help them to be able to get through this and not let it destroy them. I see so many people... and people that I know and love that are afraid. I mean, seriously frustrated, afraid. And, and we're saying, but we're praying and we're trusting, and that doesn't help. You're making me nervous. No, prayer doesn't have to make you nervous. Prayer can change things. And we are, if you're praying, I know it must be worse. That's not how it works. <laughs> we pray because we know God is going to be there and help us and to lead us. My suggestion to all of us this morning, I haven't been carrying this around faithfully like I used to. This thing is going to be in my purse, or when I'm not carrying my purse, whatever I've got with me. I want to keep this with me. And I want to be able to say, okay, God, my, my, and I start my day today, I'm prepared. Bring somebody across my path today that maybe I can make a difference in their life. Let me be the first step to revival in our community. Let me be the first step to help somebody else. My prayer this morning was not just that I can get up in the pulpit this morning and say some words and, you know, and you go back home and we all have our lunch and all's well. My prayer this morning was somebody got saved. Maybe not in this building, but maybe somebody's listening. I, I mean, sincerely, sincerely, folks, from the bottom of my heart, which I know is Jesus' heart, too, He's concerned about us and our families, about our nation and this world. And we need to take it seriously. We need to be prepared soldiers for Christ. I spoke back in May and I talked about the, the armor. And I, I mentioned that I never take my armor off. I had a friend that said, I take my armor off every night and put it back on in the morning. And it's like, man, I never want to take my armor off. Never. I may wake up in the night and start preaching. I need my armor on <laughs> all the time. Folks, when we leave this building, we need to leave here strengthened, prepared, and ready to go into battle because it's outside these doors, and it's waiting for us because we have answers. They have questions. We can make a difference. So, folks, the question was to me, where's God? The answer is, he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. What are we waiting for? We shouldn't be keeping him waiting. We should be on our knees, praying, seeking his face, and trying to make a difference in the world around us. We are his arms outstretched. We are his voice. 
We can and will make a difference if we choose to. It's got to be our choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning and for this opportunity to come this morning, Father God, to be able to share your word, to share your heart. And Father God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this morning, this is your heart. You love your kids so much. Father, you love us so much. You make a difference, Father God, in our hearts, but you want us to make a difference in other people's hearts. Oh, Father, when Haas this morning began to sing that song, Leaning, and then another one where it was on trust, Father God, I, I literally, Lord, you just pricked my heart, and it was like, yes, lean on me, trust, lean on me, and trust. Father, thank you that you are, are setting us up for literally for being champions in this world. God, I want to have that t-shirt that says, I'm a champion of the faith. And let everybody go, what do you mean you're a champion? I love Jesus, and Jesus makes a difference in my heart and in my life. Let me tell you about my best friend. He is my best friend, and he can be your best friend. Let me show you, let me tell you how. God, thank you so much for this day and the opportunity, Father God, to, to share your heart and to share your love with all those that are listening this morning, God. We love you and we praise you and we glorify your name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.